0: You're listening to The Ascent Podcast, a production of Foothills Church. In today's society, there is no shortage of influence, messaging, and pressure to conform to a certain style of dating. But what if we take a step back and ask the question, how does dating as culture defines it impact our future relationships or even our future marriage? I sat down with lead pastor of Foothills Church, Trent Stewart, to discuss what it means to date in today's world and how to approach dating as a follower of Christ. When I put Jesus
1: at the center, and I put Him um, as my Lord, and, and I'm, I'm constantly taking myself off that throne. I'm taking other people off that throne. I'm taking money off that throne and success off that throne. And I'm really, I'm really dialed into okay. I want to serve and love Jesus. He's 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 the ultimate. He's the priority. Now he f- that that frees me up to really know the love of God, which then allows me to actually love another person with his
0: love and not a selfish love. I'm Britton Drown. Thanks as always for listening. Let's jump right in. Well, we're joined as always by Pastor Trent Stewart as we tackle this topic. Pastor Trent, thanks as always for joining us. Hello and welcome, everyone who's listening today. Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. And I'm excited because today we are actually going to spend this episode examining dating. And I really feel like this is one of those topics that there's really a need for, especially as we look at what it really means to approach dating yeah you know, through a Christian worldview. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is half the
1: people in our church are single. And so We wanted to um, encourage them. And I think the other side is just because dating uh, today in our culture is just so jacked up. I mean, you, you look at how young people date. You look at how you know, the typical dating couple interacts, um, you know, and so I just think it's a huge need. And as a follower of Jesus, I mean, we have to date differently. We have to approach it differently. And, and, uh, we definitely don't want it to look like culture because what culture is doing is ruining, um, relationships and you, um, you know, create so much baggage and so m- many emotional ties that, Okay, then you try to go into marriage and you've got so many emotional heartbreaks and hangups and baggage that now we, we got to do a lot of unpacking before you can actually, you know, connect with your new spouse. And so if we do it differently, then
0: we don't have to, we don't have as many issues to deal with. Yeah, I mean, the approach we need to take may may look like a radical approach to dating. But, you know, as you pointed out early in your message, dating is not a biblical principle. It's really a relatively new social norm. And I'm curious, could you kind of touch on, on what, you know, how the idea of dating has kind of evolved just in the last 50 years? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me personally, I kind of
1: learned how to date by watching Friends and Seinfeld. And so, um, if, if that's where you learn how to date, you you probably had a lot of, you know, messed up feelings just like me. Um, you know, the younger generation, if you're in your twenties, you, you probably learned how to date by watching Dawson's Creek or Gilmore girls or something of that nature. And, and so, um, you know, we, we don't have a lot of good conversations with our parents, you know, for the most part. And so as a parent, we, we need to, we need to change that. But, um, I think that's, kind of the typical experience. And so, you know, when you look at the history of dating, there's a book called the labor of love, the invention of dating kind of takes you back to how dating even began because, you know, back in the day, you know, your parents were choosing who you were going to marry. Um, and, and that's just kind of how it was. Okay. Then you come into American culture and then in 1896, um, it was the, the, the term dating or date was first introduced and it was in reference to prostitution. So if a man paid for sex, he was said to be on a date. And so, you know, that's kind of where the term first have has its roots, but, um, you know, Back in the early 1900s, if you're pursuing marriage, you went calling on a young girl. Um, And so to call on a young woman meant meant that you were going to go talk to her dad and say, hey, I'm interested in your daughter. And he would invite you over for dinner if you checked all the boxes for him. And then in the home with mom and dad there, the young couple would get to know each other. And very soon after, they would make a decision. All right, we're going to get married or we're not. And so... That's essentially all it was. Um, you know, you fast forward into the 20s, and, and so you've got the industrial revolution that developed big cities, big factories. And now single women are now working with single men for the first time. They're outside of their house, and they're hanging out together. Not to mention the invention of restaurants and bars um, and those kinds of things were developed. And so now young people have a place to go hang out. Uh, Away from mom and dad, and so uh, very early on in the 20s, for the first time, single people now are beginning to isolate themselves away from mom and dad, and so you you jump into the 40s and 50s, UK, you've you've got the term going steady at this time, and so now we have somebody that you're interested in. Now you're saying, "Hey, we're going to go steady." That meant we're going to be exclusive, and. You know, now we're going to, you know, the invention of cars, now more people are driving. So now we have even more freedom to get away from mom and dad and and out of the house and, and that supervision. So now we're, you know... Parking cars, making out, drive-in movies. Um, you know, you can you can drive pretty far to get away from mom and dad and be alone. And so you have this invention of rock and roll. Um, you have for the first time in the history of our country, people have money to spend on entertainment. They have extra money, which had never been the case. You know, you're talking about the Great Depression, early, you know, um, times. And and so now in the '50s, you've got people who've got that extra money, and so. Just amazing that okay now this idea of going steady is is, is developing for the first time. It, it, the 50s really changed everything. You jump into the 60s now you've got you know drugs and free love that changed it even more. Uh, by the time you come into the 70s, you, you have this idea of what what dating kind of as we know it today really is. Uh, you know, a guy is asking a girl out. You know, picking picking her up for dinner. You're the guy's paying for dinner in a movie, and and um, you know those kinds of things. But now you kind of come into the 2000s, and here we are in almost 2020, and it's kind of different. It's it's more uh, of a hookup culture. It's a version of dating, but young people don't feel like they have to be exclusive. They don't have to be going steady or whatever you want to call it dating to be in a physical relationship. And so it's, it's, uh, it's changing drastically. And if you're a parent, you're probably, you, you probably feel very inadequate. And, you know, just like the parents of the fifties, like we haven't seen this before and <laughs> things are changing. And, um, I, you know, as a young couple or, or young person, there's just a lot of pressure on, on, you know, finding a spouse and, and what that really looks like. And so it's,
0: it's very challenging. Yeah. I mean, if, if this idea of dating is so now baked into society and it's something now that we've kind of grown up with, it begs the question, you know, let's, let's step back. What, what does dating as a Christian really look like? You kind of laid that out with three, three ideas. And the first of which was just being intentional when, when you pursue someone or when, you, when you're entering into this, this idea of dating. So can you kind of expand on that and what, if I'm a Christian, and uh, what does it mean for me to be intentional about dating? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the
1: first thing we want to accept is that we, we interact with someone, you know, for the purpose of dating to discover if this person is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. So if we're not starting with asking that question, then we're not ready to date. Like from a from a biblical perspective, just hanging out with the opposite sex to try to, you know, be physical with her or, you know, to to just be with her and and just hang out is just not intentional at all. Like we we date for the purpose of finding a spouse. And so we want to, we want to go into a relationship thinking in that terms, is this someone that I can see myself marrying? And so that would be one of the first things I would say. And then as a follower of Jesus, like we only date followers of Jesus. Like that is, is huge. If you are dating someone who isn't a Christian and you're a Christian, um, you're just setting yourself up for all kinds of issues and problems and uh I actually had someone ask me after the 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 service like well what if you're dating a non-christian and and he's your soulmate like well again having a soulmate is not in the bible like we we the 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 cosmic forces of love that are creating us to be together is just not a biblical concept like when I was dating my wife uh, Micah uh, before we got married, like I felt like the Lord you know had put her in my life um, and I do feel like she she was the one that God had for me um, uh, but I think there's a difference in that understanding than in this cosmic idea that there is one person for everybody that's just not true it's just not true, and it's definitely not not biblical and so when we date, we we want is this person a follower of Jesus, um, and I and I think there, are, you know, many ways that that we want to dive into that because a lot of guys are gonna say they're Christians. Just just saying, I was one of them. Like I, like I, I wasn't always honest with with um, girls, and I, I think for my daughters, I, I want them to to not only hear you know a guy say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I want them to see him live it out so does he talk about Jesus? Is he involved in church? Is he involved in community at the church? Is he serving? Uh, Because those are, those are things that I think are uh, proof and fruit that this person is serious about their faith. And not just somebody who says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and just check the box so that they can be with this girl. I, I can't tell you how many people, how many guys I've seen do that, say that. And then you're, you know, month one, you, you kind of see, okay, this guy isn't, he, he doesn't really commit it to the Lord. And now as a result, you've got all kinds of issues, you know, that they're arguing about. So, so yeah, you, you want to date a follower of Jesus if you're single and, uh, if you're young, uh, so you want to involve mom and dad. And so, um, I don't know, how many teenagers are going to listen to this podcast but um as a parent if you're listening uh this means for you that you want to be involved in in the uh relationship and so as a dad I want to I want to have a conversation with any young man who wants to pursue my daughter if he if he can't sit down and have a conversation with me uh, I know it's intimidating trust me I know it would be super intimidating I know it would be tough but if he can't do that, then he's not ready. He's not ready to pursue my daughter. Um, and so, when I sit down with him, though, I'm asking him about his relationship with Jesus and his parents and his life and what he wants to do with his life and where does he go to church and how does he serve. And I, I look at it as an opportunity to help invest into this guy, whether this is the guy that's going to be um, with my daughter forever or not. I, I want to, you know, have an opportunity to invest in him. And uh, hopefully make an impact in his life and set the, set the stage really clear. Like, th- this is my intention for my daughter. My, my goal for her and what she's communicated to me as her goal is that she's, she's, she's committed to purity uh, as she walks into a relationship and as she walks into marriage. And so I want to look him eyeball to eyeball you know and i wanna i wanna i wanna make sure he understands um the the commitment that that she has and, and that I want him to honor um and and so that's just one example I think it's great for for moms to meet with the the girl if if you have a son and and I think that just needs to be a relationship that is that that can flourish. Um, and so I I think that's just one practical way. So involving mom and dad, if you're, you know, if you're older, obviously you're an adult, you don't need mom and dad's permission. Um, but I think if mom and dad are spiritual leaders in your life, you, you want their blessing. And I think, you know, when we, when we, uh, perform weddings, like we, the tradition, and I always do this when I marry people, the traditionally, you know, the, the dad walks the daughter down the aisle and then the the minister will say who gives this woman to be with this man and and the dad says uh, her mother and I which means that mom and dad I'm blessing this relationship and so that's just not a formality or tradition what we really want to mean that we have blessed this and when I walked into marriage, I wanted mom and dad to bless this. I talked to Mike, his dad, and I said, hey, this is, I, I want to marry your daughter. And I'll, I, I wanted him to bless it. And, and if he didn't bless it, if, if her mom didn't bless it, then things would have gone differently. you know. And so I think as, even as adults, we want mom and dad's uh, blessing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think
0: these are two important first steps. Definitely. You you also want to make sure, just as you you wrap it up too, just, just ask if they have the same qualities that that you have too, uh, and that, that's another important yeah. part of being intentional as yeah. well. Do, do they have qualities that I value? You know, what what are what are some of the things that
1: I value in in my spouse or in in a spouse that I'm pursuing? And it, and it's not just looks, you know. And I think most of us, you know, when we're single, that's kind of all we focus on, and so we've got to got to step back and say, man, I you know, wh- what are the other qualities in this person? you know, that I could really see myself, you know, connecting with. And, and then, you know, I think being intentional means also being friends, like just starting with friendship and pursuing time together as friends. And so often, as soon as we start dating, all we want to do is hang out with this person. And, you know, you ditch your friends and you ditch church friends and small group and you just spend time together constantly. And that's kind of, that's, that's dangerous. You don't want to neglect and abandon your friends. You don't want to quit on them. You actually want them, especially that spiritual community involved around you, uh, so that it can continue to strengthen you and, and help you have balance, um, in
0: your mar- in your relationship, well, yeah, we talk about relational environments all the time. So, yeah. mimicking that in your in your dating uh, world is is important as well. And, and finally, you kind of wrapped this up by saying, you know, glorify God in your romantic relationship. W- what does that exactly mean? Well, I mean, y- you go back to the commitment of purity. If you're dating, like we want to glorify God, so
1: you know, we want to we want to maintain purity in this relationship, and and uh, we want to continue to to pursue the Lord. So we're involved in in our our ministry setting. We're we're involved in small group. We're involved in our church. And uh, you know, we're we're committed uh to just talk about um you know the future of where this you know relationship might go. We are also committed to the standards that we want to have up front. Um and you know when Jesus says love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, this means in your dating relationships as well. And so, you know, we don't want to wait until we're married, to get serious about Jesus. If you're in your college years, if wh- however old you are and you're single, don't wait to get serious about Jesus um, until you get married. This is a commitment you need to make now. Glorify God now in your single years. Don't waste these single years and pursue him now. And then as you're in a dating relationship, you're pursuing the Lord, you know, uh, continually. And then, as that relationship grows and gets more serious, now it's not such a huge jump, you know, from from all of a sudden, okay, now we're married. Now we're going to think about the Lord. Well, no, we've been thinking about Him and pursuing Him this entire uh, time. And so, I think a lot of single folks think that when I get married, it's going to unlock some, you know, piece of my life that's been missing. And uh, that's just a that's that's an ex- expectation that is is not going to be met. Uh, This person does fulfill us in many, many ways, but ultimately Jesus is the only one that can fulfill us. And so those expectations always get, you know, shot uh, down. And so um, marriage isn't going to provide that. Jesus is going to provide that. So we need to pursue it now and understand it now. What is our purpose? And as we do that in our single years, we're that much more healthy and ready to meet that one that that God is going to bring into our life.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the the most common issues with dating is this tendency for people to seek fulfillment and purpose in someone else. Yeah. yeah. Where, where, why do you think that's become such kind of one of the one of the biggest issues that we see today? Where does that where does that come from?
1: Well, we're we're we all want to feel loved, and we want to feel a part of something. And you know, we 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 all really have a hunger to be loved by somebody, and that that's given by God, but that is never fulfilled by a spouse or a dating relationship. I mean, it mimics it, especially in the mixtape, you know, emotions and feelings in the early phases and so you think you got it. But it never, that never, just, it just doesn't last. And it just never was meant to last. And so then we feel like, well, maybe this person wasn't the one, but ultimately Jesus is the only one that can fulfill that desire in our heart. And uh, <clears throat> so I think it's important that we stop focusing so much on trying to find someone and, and really focus on becoming someone, the, the someone that God wants us to be. And when we do that, He matures us and grows us and puts us in a position to meet the, the person that um, you know, maybe He has for us. And if we're not becoming who He wants us to be today, then when we meet or run into this person, we're not, we're not even close to being in the same ballpark as what this person is looking for.
0: Yeah. And and it's really, I mean, if you're someone who is in that dating phase and, and you haven't yet, or you maybe are seeking your purpose in someone else rather than Jesus, can you kind of touch on the encouragement of, of, of what it would mean to really step back and focus on your own individual spiritual maturity? What type of power does that potentially have for your future marriage down the road? And, And how important is that for you to, to really understand at this phase? Yeah. I mean, it's huge um, because number one, it puts Jesus
1: first, and so it 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 you know takes this person off the pedal, pedestal and out of the center of your heart, and it puts Jesus at the center of, of your heart, and so you pursue him first, and then as you pursue him, as he grows you and matures you, now you're you're more able to really love somebody else. If that person is number one in your life. You really aren't going to be able to love them unconditionally. You're, you're gonna. It's gonna be a conditional love. But when I put Jesus at the center, and I put Him um, as my Lord, and and I'm, I'm constantly taking myself off that throne. I'm taking other people off that throne. I'm taking money off that throne and success off that throne. And I'm really, I'm really dialed into. Okay, I want to serve and love Jesus. He's, he's, he's the ultimate. He's the priority. Now, he, that, that frees me up to really know the love of God, which then allows me to actually love another person with his love and not a selfish
0: love. That's really good, Pastor Trent. And it really leads us perfectly into the final part of this series, which is going to really focus on what does it look like? What does it mean? And what are the ramifications of really putting Jesus at the center yeah. of your marriage? Thanks, as always, for joining us. Absolutely. Well, thanks as always for listening to this episode of The Ascent Podcast. And if you enjoy this resource, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and go ahead and drop us a rating or a review. Subscribing to the podcast is a great way to stay up to date with all of the latest episodes as we release them every other Wednesday. And ratings and reviews just help us to reach more people. Thanks as always for listening.